Chapter 5 of Man's Restoration by Grace by Thomas Goodwin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The reasons of the three persons making such a distinct discovery of themselves in this work of our salvation rather than in any other. I come now to assign the reasons why the three persons chose this work of our salvation above all their other works wherein to make such a distinct discovery of themselves. One, because as the mystery of the Trinity is that great mystery of all other, the mystery of God, and the Father, and of Christ, Colossians 2.2, 2, the highest of all things to be known of God, so this of man's salvation was the chiefest of all his ways and works, and the greatest and utmost stage to display his glory on. 2. In this channel the love of God did run most strongly, as being that wherein God would show his love and grace, which is the intimacy of his heart most, it is therefore eminently called love to mankind. 3. God's love is herein showed to his own, and therefore each person was desirous, yea, zealous to appear, that the love of each might be discerned and acknowledged, and that we, in a special and peculiar respect, might be obliged unto each person, and bound to praise and glorify them accordingly, to honour the Son and the Holy Spirit as well as the Father. In giving proofs from scriptures of this partition, I shall not allege all such as scatteredly attribute election to the Father, redemption to the Son, sanctification to the Spirit, for such proofs would be inefficacious in this respect, that we find such works wherein they have a common hand scatteredly attributed unto each. When we are converted we are said to hear the voice of the Son of God, John 5 verses 25 and 26, to be begotten of the Father, James 1 verse 17, and born of the Spirit, John 3 verse 6. So creation is scatteredly attributed to them all, and therefore to allege any one place singly for any such work should but prove that that person is supposed to have had an hand therein, such as the rest have. But if we find any scripture at once, and together distinctly mentioning all three persons, and withal mentioning these three works, and then withal attributing one work to the other, another to another person, in this case we may conclude that comparatively among themselves one work is more eminently and properly to be ascribed to that person it is given to rather than the other, and that they have sorted and distributed these three among them. Now for scriptures I shall name but two. In the first chapter to the Ephesians, election is attributed to the Father of Jesus Christ, who hath chosen us in him before the world was, verse 4, and who hath set forth all those spiritual blessings we are blessed with all, verse 3. 2. In the seventh verse, redemption is attributed to Christ as the author thereof, whereas in election he was made as the subject in whom we were chosen. But verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, as shed by him, and so the principal author and efficient of it. Then the application and sealing up of all is attributed to the Spirit. Verse 13 and 14, in whom, after ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the earnest of our inheritance, etc., the next scripture is 1 Peter 1 verse 2, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Christ. The Apostle Peter, to endear the hearts of all saints he wrote to, unto these three persons, singly shuts up their distinct agencies in our great and common salvation, in as few words as possible to utter them in. Salvation was the subject he was to write them about, he in the front placeth and sets up the coat of arms of those three blessed ones as the joint founders of our salvation, emblazoning what each did contribute thereunto. 1. Here are the three persons by name mentioned, Father, Spirit, Christ. 2. Here are three works mentioned, election, sanctification, blood, both shed and sprinkled. 
3. And here is election attributed to the Father, elect according to the full knowledge of God the Father, sanctification to the Spirit, and the blood said to be of Jesus Christ, which is the foundation of redemption, which is his work, as you heard. Ephesians 1 verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, etc. I observe that in mentioning election here, he doth not, as elsewhere, make mention of salvation as the end or designed scope of it, which yet is usual elsewhere. Salvation, which is the ultimate end or terminus of all, as verse 9, he terms the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls, is in common the result of the work of all three, and in the verses following he speaks of it as such again and again. Begotten to an inheritance, verse 4, kept to salvation, verse 5, and so, verses 9 and 10, this is the end of ends. But he mentions such intermediate works between election and salvation, as are necessary and preparatory thereunto, as those which the persons undertook amongst them, as means through which salvation is to be obtained, as 2 Thessalonians 2 verses 13 and 14, the words evidently import that whereas God's ordination was that without holiness no man should see God, Hebrews 12, and without shedding blood there should be no remission, Hebrews 9 verse 22. These persons among them took upon them those works, the Father he electeth, and electing ordained holiness and blood as the means through and by which we are to obtain salvation, elect in or through or unto sanctification, etc., the Spirit undertaketh sanctification, called therefore sanctification of the Spirit. You shall sanctify, said the Father, to the Spirit, and to the Son concerning his blood. It shall be your blood that shall redeem them, said the Father, in electing of us. To clear and open these things a little as they are set down. 1. Election, which is there said to be according to foreknowledge, is not vocation in time, but that choice made from everlasting, as those two parallel places show whom he foreknew he predestinated, Romans 8 verse 29, which is all one as here, he elected according to foreknowledge, and together here with that other, 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 13, he hath chosen you from the beginning, that is, from everlasting, according to foreknowledge, is added, to show the moving cause of election, to exclude all other accordings of works, not according to works, as elsewhere, 2 Timothy 1 verse 9, nor of holiness or faith foreseen, for he hath chosen us that we might be holy, Ephesians 1, verses 3 and 4, not because we were holy. In holiness, or through holiness, to obtain salvation, 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 13 and 14, as a means requisite to it. And so here, it is not according to foreknowledge of our sanctification, but according to foreknowledge in and through sanctification. It is then the foreknowledge simply of our persons, abstracted from all condition, joined with and importing special love and dearest affection, for words of knowledge import and declare affections in scripture phrase. Depart from me, says Christ, ye workers of iniquity, I know you not, that is, I regard you not. Answerably, it is attributed to express God's knowledge of us with special love and regard. Romans 11.2, God hath not cast away his people whom he foreknew, that is, loved and out of love chose them. 2. For those other that follow, for the order of them, as they are here arranged, there is a seeming difficulty. For understand them as set in order, as they succeed one another in the execution of the electing decree, namely that sanctification whereby is meant the working all the principles of habitual grace, which we call regeneration by the Spirit, should be the first and immediate medium of election according to that order or chain, Romans 8, whom he predestinated he called, under which sanctification is intended as the first and next to predestination, 
And so then, unto obedience and sprinkling of Christ's blood, comes in the immediate consequence of that sanctification first wrought. And so sanctification is the first, most immediate designed fruit of election, though as a medium God hath elected or ordained us unto obedience and sprinkling of Christ's blood. Now, how obedience should follow upon sanctification habitual, so as it might be said we are elected through habitual sanctification unto obedience, understanding it of obedience in our whole course to the whole will of God, is easily understood and granted by all to be the end of habitual grace, as operations are of their proper habits. But then, how the sprinkling of the blood of Christ should be the consequent of sanctification, so as we should in like manner be said to be elected through sanctification unto this sprinkling of Christ's blood, this contradicts the received opinion, i.e. that justification should rather be the medium of sanctification and in order to go afore it. And that by the sprinkling of Christ's blood here, the application of his blood to us for the forgiveness of sins should be meant, is evident, for as shedding of his blood was the work of redemption as performed by him on the cross, so the sprinkling of his blood is a work done upon us when we actually come to believe, and is the actual application of it. Now yet this might stand, if, as learned Mr. Pimble and others assert, sanctification doth, in order of nature, precede justification, and which to me seems not remote from truth or prejudicial to the grace of justification at all, and withal consonant to right reason, for if, as all grant, justification be upon an act of faith on Christ for justification, and that not until then we are justified, as all do and must acknowledge that hold justification by faith according to the Scriptures, and that an act of faith must proceed from a principle of faith habitually wrought, then necessarily sanctification, taking it for the principles of habitual sanctification, must be in order of nature a full justification, for the seed and principle of faith is a part, and a principal part, of regeneration or sanctification, as taken in that sense, for the working the principles of all grace, and so is agreeable to that order and chain, Romans 8 verse 29, where called is put before being justified, as predestination is put before being called, understanding calling of the working of the principles of regeneration. But for the agreeing of this dispute, as from this place we may easily accord of it, if, as Piraeus, we say that all these three, sanctification, obedience, and sprinkling of Christ's blood, are not mentioned here in any subordination of the one to the other, as a precedent and medium thereunto, but all of them are like directly and equally to relate to election as the immediate thing designed, and so these two particles, en agiasmo and is upakoen, come both to one, as in scripture they are used to do, and so they should be read, as also the Volga reads them, in sanctificationem et obedientiam, elect unto sanctification, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Christ. Thus much as to the order of the things here mentioned, supposing by obedience here to be meant the whole course of a Christian's life in holiness. But secondly, for the things themselves, I prefer another interpretation above all other, which doth give this account of the Apostle's scope to be to enumerate two more eminent effects of election, namely sanctification and justification, whereof the first is attributed more specially to the Spirit, the other to faith and the blood of Christ. As in like manner, Romans 8 verse 29, calling and justification are only enumerated of the benefits in this life that follow predestination. Whom he hath predestinated, them he hath called, them he hath justified. But then, how should obedience be interpreted so as to appertain unto justification, which, if meant of actual holiness of life, it is opposed rather thereunto, according to the Protestant's doctrine? 
the papists that close with this interpretation of justification to be intended in the yoking obedience and Christ's blood together greedily catch hold of it, that therefore our good works and actual obedience is an ingredient matter of our justification as well as the blood of Christ. And you all know they make our obedience to Harvard and bear a share of that glory with the blood of Christ, but they fall short of their aim in it in this, that according to their doctrine habitual sanctification is to come in also as an ingredient with it, as that which helps to constitute us righteous, whereas in the Apostles' speech, obedience and the sprinkling of Christ's blood, as they are linked one to another, so they are separated both from the sanctification of the Spirit. Others of our Protestant divines do therefore refer these things to justification as the two parts thereof, the imputation of the active and passive obedience of Christ, and so as that part of justification, quote, the sprinkling of Christ's blood, end quote, which is the imputation of it to us, is expressly mentioned, so that by obedience should be intended by an ellipsis, the imputation of the obedience of Christ, namely the active obedience coupled with his blood. This interpretation, as I remember, Bishop Downham glanceth at in his Treatise of Justification, where I first met with it, but I meet with it hinted also in commentators, in obedientiam Jesu Christi et aspersionem sanguinis et justem Jesu, says Estius, unto the obedience of Jesus Christ and sprinkling of the blood of Christ. His meaning is that the first branch is to be made out and supplied by the analogy of the latter, as is often in Scripture, that, as therefore it is expressly said to the sprinkling of the blood of Christ, so it should be in like manner supplied to the imputation or benefit of the obedience of Jesus Christ imputed. This, if there be not harshness or violence in it, I should wish might stand, because it helps out the active obedience to be the matter of our justification, and truly the argument of some against it, that we are not said to be elected unto Christ's obedience, so understood, but rather by it, or through it, moves me not, because Christ's merits were not the foundation or motive to election, nor are we anywhere said to be elected through Christ or for Christ, so as notwithstanding that interposed scruple, this might well stand. But there is another reason which is more plausible, and which gives as just an account why obedience is cast into, and linked thus with Christ's blood, as appertaining unto justification, and as requisite to it as Christ's blood is. And that is, that Peter understood obedience of justifying faith, as it embraceth, receives, and submits unto Christ's blood, and the imputation of it for justification before God. And so this act of faith, as it is abstracted from sanctification and works, as viewing and eyeing, and submitting unto Christ's blood and obedience only for justification, is therefore joined therewith in the work of justification here intended, and truly the reasons on this hand rise up to a great evidence, if not certainty, that Peter should so mean. 1. For first, it is not only called obedience to the faith, pisti, as Acts 6 verse 7, in the dative case, as noting out obedience to the doctrine of faith, but it is expressly termed upakoe pisteos, the obedience of faith, in the genitive case, as noting out the act of faith, it's being termed by way of eminency, obedience, so Romans 1 verse 5 and chapter 16 verse 26. Yea, in chapter 10 verse 16, obedience to the gospel is interpretively and exegetically made all one as to believe, in these words, they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who hath believed our report, where he interprets our report to be the gospel or glad tidings, and believing to be all one with obedience to it. And indeed, for men to renounce their own righteousness, past, present, and to come, and betake themselves wholly unto, or as the Apostle's word in the same chapter is, to submit themselves to the righteousness of God, 
This is the greatest and highest obedience, and deserves the name kat exchein. And the apostle, having deciphered it forth as so great a submission in the beginning of that chapter, under those terms, might well call it obedience in the following part, and he evidently speaks of justifying faith in opposition unto works, as it is evident by the fifth and sixth verses. And so in like manner, when in chapter 1 he calls it obedience, he means that faith by which the just do live, verse 17, of which he treats in the whole epistle. 2. That which confirms this interpretation, that by obedience should be meant the act of justifying faith, is that in that parallel place, 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 13, we are said to be elected through sanctification, or in or unto sanctification, and belief of the truth. Faith is joined with sanctification there when election to the medium of salvation is spoken of. 3. And thirdly, as Paul, so Peter himself also in this chapter, termeth faith obedience, you have purified your souls by obeying the truth. And so look as Paul calls it belief of the truth, Peter terms it obeying the truth, and as Paul calls it obedience simply, so Peter here also, and that in this speech ye have purified your hearts by obeying the truth, he means faith, as eyeing justification or Christ's blood in the gospel, for cleansing and purifying the conscience from the guilt of sin, is evident by Peter's own speech elsewhere, in that great synod, Acts 15 verse 9, God hath purified their hearts by faith, which he by the coherence evidently speaks of, viz. justification by faith. For whether we were justified by faith only, or by observing the law, was the point in question there, as in like manner in the epistle to the Galatians, which also that of Hebrews 9 verses 10, 13, 14, 15, etc. confirms. 4. Fourthly, faith as justifying is eminently called obedience in the point of justification, coupled with Christ's blood here and the imputation of it, as the proper object of that act and the true effect or consequent of that act, according as you have it, Romans 3 verse 25, God hath set forth Christ as a propitiation through faith in his blood. And thus understanding these words, we may, by sanctification of the spirit, understand habitual sanctification in the heart, and taken in actual sanctification in the life, as included therein, as it is usually taken, and in that 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 13, foresighted, and then faith justifying as the act, under the name of obedience and Christ's blood as the object thereof, and the sprinkling or application of it by the Spirit upon that act of obedience. And thus all three persons come in, in their proper work for us, which is the thing I aim at. 1. The Father in election. 2. The Son as shedding whose blood it is, the blood of Jesus Christ. And that first shed for our redemption or justification from sin, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, as Ephesians 1 verse 7, and who by his own blood obtained eternal redemption for us, Hebrews 9 verse 12. And although the sprinkling of this blood to the purifying of our hearts by faith is a work of the Spirit, as well as sanctification is said to be, and this in Peter's intentment, 4 verse 22, he says, having purified your souls to the obedience of the truth by the Spirit, yet the first shedding of that blood, which sprinkling thereof necessarily supposeth, was by Christ himself, and by his blood as shed by him, it is, we are justified when it comes to be sprinkled on us or applied to us. The efficacy and the virtue of it lay in that it was his blood and shed by him to that end. Therefore Hebrews 9, where this matter is handled and opened out of the type, having, verse 24, said he sprinkled the blood, in the 22nd verse he adds, without shedding blood there is no remission. So as the emphasis here lies in the blood of Christ even as shed, but now applied and eyed by faith. And so the proper eminent work of the second person, the Son, is held forth, as well as of the Spirit, 
and thus all here falls in with what you have, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 8, but now you are washed, which is the general, to the two parts of purification that follow, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified, where justification follows after sanctification here. And here he attributeth these two works unto these two persons, the Son and the Spirit, justified in the name of the Lord Jesus, and sanctified by the Spirit our God. Sanctification being by the Spirit as justification in the name of Jesus Christ, or by the Spirit as the author of both, but by Christ as the purchaser and meritorious cause of either, in the name or virtue of Christ. And of our God comes in as having an hand in both. And thus much for the confirmation of this great point, which withal hath took in the opening of this obscure and difficult place. End of chapter 5